0: How's everybody? Good. Everybody's still recovering from the shock of winning, eh? I don't know if we—if I'm honest, I didn't think we were going to do it after the way the English played on the, on the semi-final, but uh, the boys did so well. Uh, it just—it uh, wasn't just scraping through as we did in the semis, eh? We literally dominated and totally took over. So we've been doing a series called This Is Us. Have I got some slides up? Brilliant. We've been doing a series called This Is Us. And it's been a series over the last few weeks. If you've missed any of the last four weeks, please go onto the website and have a listen to the messages. It really key. It's been about who we are as a church. Glenridge Church been going for some thirty five plus years. And um it's good to go back and constantly remind ourselves of the specific call that God has over this church. Um, the Specific calls, the, the, the sort of broader calls of who we are as a church. And, um, and so we've done a series. Uh, you, you may have mistaken it for a, a Standard Bank corporate uh, event that might have been in the building, and they kind of left up the, the, the branding. I had a lot to do with it, so I, I'm I'm quite okay with you thinking that, but I think it's pretty clear. And it's introduce people to Jesus. Introduce them to the, the house that is that is Glenridge. You see, in the Scriptures, there's this story. This is, those four words are straight out of the Scriptures. Introducing people to the love of Jesus. And then to take them and not only leave them there, because God never leaves us where we are. He takes us into something, and He integrates us into a family, into a community. And so um, Jan and one or two others spoke on, on that. I'm right, eh, Jan? Yes, it was. Jan did a, a great job on that. And then not only does God integrate us into a family, knit us into a family, uh, Acts 2.42 comes to mind. They all meet together in their homes daily, praying, sitting under the, the teaching of the Word. And then not only does God leave us there, but he then begins to invest into us. He begins to equip us. We have wonderful training that often happens on a Thursday night. Come to it. Come and be equipped. Come and be uh, equipped to go, to, to, to love. Um, and in that, there's opportunity for us to invest by serving, by investing. We're going to celebrate the servers on Sunday the 17th. If you serve at all, on a Sunday, please make sure that you're here. We're really going to spoil you. We really want to make much of you because that's part of what God has called us to do. As part of a family, we get to uh, carry the responsibility of this wonderful house. And so we serve and invest into one another's lives. And then we get to go. We get to impact. We get to touch the nations. We get to touch our neighbors with the love of Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at t- tonight. Is that good? Hmm everyone a little bit sleepy need some participation here feeling a bit lonely so impact to do what Jesus is doing to change and impact the world you see Jesus never leaves us where we are he's constantly moving us on moving us on taking us on I love that scripture we've just come out of that series of Joshua and in chapter 13 it says the Lord says to Gideon not to Gideon he says to Joshua he says to Joshua, there's more land to take. Wherever you might find yourself on this journey of being introduced to Jesus, maybe you're new here tonight. Maybe this is your second time, your third time. God wants to take you on. He doesn't want to just leave you as a stranger. He wants to knit you in, etc., etc. So find out where you fit in. Have a look at the, the wonderful boards in the front there. Find out where you fit in and find out how you can take the next step into what God's calling you. You see, God wants us to co-labor with Him. He wants to use us as His vessels to work in and through us. One of my favorite scriptures at the moment is Isaiah 43, verse 10. I think Sue's going to put it up there. It says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my (laughs) My servant, you could probably put sermon in there, and my servant whom I have chosen. You see, God calls us to be storytellers about the love of Christ that we have received and seen and touched. We're to be out there, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in our school, whether it's our parenting, to love those around us with the love of Christ. But you see, something significant here is it's the Lord who declares that over us. It's not some word that some clever guy came up with, It's the Lord declares this over us. And he says, you are my servant. You are to surrender your life to the king. And that he has handpicked us for this task. Every one of us here is called to touch the nations, to touch the world around us. Is that it? Everyone got it? So we can go home. Amen. Amen. (laughs) No. No. As I've been pondering this message tonight about impacting the world, impacting our friends, impacting our family, I've really been stirred by this one thing. You see, because if we start to ask a few questions, we've got to ask, why is that chair next to you empty? Why are we not running seven services Saturday through Sunday, blocking them out, choo-choo-choo-choo-choo? Where's the revival that God's speaking to us about? Why hasn't Suncoast closed down? All the gambling establishments and the this and the that. Tonight I want to suggest one reason why. That there's maybe a disconnect between the call of God that I've just touched on about every one of us being called to. Matthew 28, go to all the nations, we know it make disciples. There's a disconnect between that and our hearts. There's a disconnect between that and something in us that hasn't kind of taken root. And I want to look at that tonight. I want to look at a story tonight, a story about one man who didn't believe he was of any worth, didn't believe that God had called him. He thought very little of himself. He was hiding away, sitting in the shadows, but God saw so much more in him, so much more in him, and God graciously, patiently walked with him, spoke destiny over him, spoke life over him, began to speak over the lies that he had believed, and began to use him to change history. I'm going to speak about Gideon tonight, kind of let it out the bag just a moment ago. So if you can turn to Judges chapter 6, verse 1, we're going to look at this incredible story. We're going to get into maybe 2% of the whole story, but I really want to go after one or two big ideas. So we're going to read these first six verses. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the power of the Midian, because, of the, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock in their tents like swarms of locusts, a lot of them. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so impoverished, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. This is the context that we find the story of Gideon. Israel is being overrun. They've been doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. They've lost sight of the call of God over their lives. They've lost touch with this beautiful king that pulled them out of Egypt and rescued them, put them into this land that we've just learned about in the book of Joshua. Totally lost sight of it all and living in fear. They were living in caves. I don't know if you've ever lived in a cave. I've, I tried to spend a night in a cave once. with a bunch of mates, we went on a hike, and uh, got overrun by baboons in the middle of the night. I thought I was going to die. Literally one of the scariest moments, I think. I, I don't think I slept a wink on this hard rock floor. It's no fun living in a cave. It really isn't. How many of us are living in caves at the moment, spiritually in our lives, living in fear, having lost sight of the call of God over our lives? forgotten our salvation our first love what he has done for us I trust you letting this sink into your heart and so the story goes into verse 11 if I can have the next slide Sue and we get introduced to Gideon it says in verse 11 the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Not the right thing to be doing. You meant to be crushing grapes in a wine press? He's doing that because he's so fearful. To keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Love the honesty of Gideon here. Pardon me, my Lord? Gideon replied. Again, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered graciously again, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Isn't that beautiful? Here's a man... Hiding in caves, hiding in a wine press, fearful, believing the lies, having lost sight of Jesus, believing the lie that he is weak, that he is worthless, no backbone whatsoever, having believed the lies that he is insignificant, that he is never going to amount to anything that he's part of the weakest clan in all the nations. And what does God begin to do? You see, most of us do exactly this, and as a result, we stop counting for God. We stop making an impact as per the call of God over our lives. You see, I love this. God doesn't begin to negotiate and argue with Gideon. He doesn't try and convince him he simply begins to speak truth over Gideon as he would over us. He says the, It says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Didn't seem like a mighty warrior at the time, did he? Hiding away, hoping no one was going to see him. Am I not sending you, the Lord says, I will be with you and you, mighty warrior, will strike down all the Midianites together. I love linda's story i know a little bit more around it about the lies that in many ways have gripped her for many many years but yet god is beginning to speak to her speak to her about leadership it gets confirmed again and again and again are we going to continue to believe the lies of our past maybe of our present or are we going to allow god to speak truth over us and begin to be, believe it. If I can have the next slide, Sue. Verse 22. says, when Gideon realized, you see, just before this, he has this conversation with the angel and they burn uh, a sacrifice and, and there's this whole thing. And in a moment, it says, Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord. He exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. And so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abyssalites. You see, there was a moment where Gideon realized it was like something dropped, that this was God, that God was speaking to him, that he hadn't confused him with the other mighty warrior somewhere else. No, that he was the mighty warrior, that God was calling him to incredible exploits for his kingdom. He realized. But you see, Gideon didn't just say, oh, well, that was a great message. Thanks. Thanks, angel. That's, um, I'm going to put that in file 22. He built an altar. See, altars in the Old Testament are super significant. They're these moments where, of, of, of marking a moment in time where he could go back to if he needed to and say, yes, I see the Lord did something here. I really feel like tonight some altars are going to be built. In our lives where we begin to realize it is the Lord that is speaking this truth over every one of us do you know that the Lord that God has called you have you realized that he loves you that he is pursuing you that this isn't some clever message that I've rallied together to inspire you but this is the word of the Lord I pray that tonight you would hear God's voice and know the call over your life. You see, Gideon builds an altar never to go back again but only to be obedient to the call of God over his life. The story goes on. Again, there's another beautiful, honest portion of the story here where the Lord speaks to Gideon and he says to him, okay, go out and the first thing I want you to do is actually I want you to worship me. He says, go out, destroy all the idols in the land, all the Baals and the Asherah Poles, destroy those things and on them build an altar and make a sacrifice to me. You see, as God begins to reveal himself to us, our response should be one of worship. Yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you have called me to. And I'm going to respond to it. In a moment or two, we're going to have some more worship. We're going to trust God to to minister to us. But as we do that, can I encourage you to lift your gaze? Begin to worship him for who he truly is and for what he's done for you. Again, God is super patient and super kind and super gracious. He tells him to go and do this, but Gideon's still fearful, responds, but he does it at night. He hides away in the darkness, destroys all these Baal and these, pol, these uh, different idols because he's afraid of what people might think of him. But God patiently walks with him as he does with us. We pick it up in verse 33. It says, Now all the Midianites, the Malachites, and all other eastern peoples joined forces and crushed over the Jordan, and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizarates to follow him. He sent messages throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. You see, here is a man who's hiding away in a wine press, in fear of losing his life. And God meets him where he is and begins to speak truth over him again and again as he does to us. And he gets to a point, hopefully like all of us tonight, where we build an altar and say, I believe you, Lord. I believe the call that you have over me, over my marriage, over my family, over my workplace and what you have for me to do there, for the nations that you have for me to go to. And he begins to believe and realize that it is the Lord that is speaking. And he begins to worship and then the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes him for the task at hand. The story jumps forward into chapter 7. During all this time the Midianites are still close at hand, taking over land invading land, and we read in chapter, the beginning of chapter 7, says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. You see, at this point, Gideon had rallied 32,000 men. Pretty good going. I mean, I don't know when last any of us sort of rallied 32,000 fighting men. And he brings them through under the power of the Spirit. And the Lord says to him, you have too many men. Remember, the Midianites are like locusts. They're everywhere. Probably hundreds of thousands of men. And Gideon thought, I've done all right. I've got 32. Maybe I'll make a small dent in this I don't know, through my own strength and my own ability, I'm gonna make a little bit of a hit somewhere. I'm sure God knows what he's doing, but I'm gonna give it my best shot. And it goes on to say, Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 men remained. Just lost 22,000, down to 10,000, against hundreds of thousands, I've gotta believe. The Lord said to Gideon, and and this is in uh, jump down a bit to verse 7. The Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that leapt, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. The verses that we skipped, God basically says, No, 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 you've still got too many. 10,000 is still too many. I'm going to whittle you down to 300. You do the math's not too hard to do. They had 32,000. They've now got 300. That's less than 1% of what he started with. Less than 1%. God removes 99% of Gideon's ability, of Gideon's natural ability, if you like. Give me a bit of license here. God might just be wanting us to rely on him completely. I thought it's only appropriate to bring a good rugby joke in at this point. And so I thought it's a little bit like one Springbok rocking up to the final, blindfolding him and putting him up against the 15 English rugby players and blowing the whistle. And the result still being the same. I don't think we quite fathom the magnitude of what God begins to do here. 99% is gone. We're left with just 1%. I'd love to say that tonight, everyone in this room makes up that 1%. That we are the 1%. We are that remnant that God is wanting to use to make an impact into this nation, into the city, into the nations of the world, into our workplaces, into our schools. We should be completely reliant on Him, completely dependent on Him. Even when it doesn't add up, we are obedient to the Word of the Lord. When the Word that He gives us for someone seems a little bit odd, seems a little bit strange, when he unctions us to go and chat to that person and it seems, oh, not Lord, not me. I, I don't know if I can speak to that person. I don't know if I can cross the cafe and go to and speak and encourage that person with some fragrance, some, some, uh, the fragrance of friendliness. I don't know if I can do that. But God is saying, would you be obedient? And let me take care of the 99%. Gary, I've got a little story we're going to tell. Please, round of applause for Gary Besatino here. I need the mic. Thanks. So, just while they get the mic on, we've got a little story about pizza that uh, Gary's going to tell us. And, um, But on a serious note, this is a man who'd been running and hiding from God for many years, for many years. But about three or four years ago, God caught up with him. And he surrendered his heart to Jesus. There were many lies inside of Gary's heart, many, many lies that he had begun, that he had believed for many years. Lies of being insignificant. Lies of not being a success. Lies of not being complete. But he began to believe the call of God over his life. And bit by bit, God's been building a mighty warrior out of this man. He's built altars again and again, never going back. Believing God at his word and being obedient to him. And so on a lighter note, Gary, Monday this week, eh? Was it Monday night? Monday night. Gary decided, as you do, from time to time to go to Domino's to pick up a pizza. And Gary got to Domino's on Monday night only to come across a couple. And uh, tell us what happened, Gary.
1: So I've been trusting God to show me and give me words of knowledge for people and really wanting to press into that so earlier that day I'd been asking God to show me someone or just give me a word for someone and I'd actually forgotten about it I walked into Domino's Pizza at about 7 o'clock went up to the counter and there was a couple just ahead of me and um, they were like all lovey-dovey and all that stuff and um, the guy turned turns me and said no please go forward uh, ahead of us because my girlfriend is not gonna be able to decide very quickly So we had a little laugh, and I ordered in front of them. And I felt the Lord say to me, I've got a word for this couple. And I was like, okay. That's, uh, like, looking at them, I'm like, okay, what could it be? Trying to pick up something. And I I quietly prayed, and I said to the Lord, give me a sign if it is you telling me to speak to them and give them a word. And I looked up at the order thing at Domino's, and there's, um, like, an order number next to your name. And their order number was 003, but mine was 82. And 82 is a very significant number in my life my birthday, my race year all that stuff so i was like okay god i trust you um but just one more sign please i'm not 100 percent sure so i asked god i'm gonna test if i ask them how long they've been dating and if it's anything more than two months i will sit down and i'll i'll trust you for a word for them so i was pacing up and down looking at them and like i took took a step towards them i said sorry guys how long have you guys been dating and uh, the girl looked at me and she said two months so I just giggled I sat down I was like how's it I'm Gary um, I was just buying time just introducing myself telling them who I am asked them if they believe in words of knowledge and uh, a message from God that I might have for them they said they do and still buying time and then all of a sudden it came on me like downloaded I just had a word for them as a couple that um, her boyfriend is just looking at it and saying I promise you I do not know this guy and I haven't paid him to say any of this stuff <laughs> um, yeah it was just flowing out of me for about 10-15 minutes and um, yeah it's really I've kept in contact with him hope uh, to Brilliant. meet up with him again but it was very encouraging awesome bro yeah, to step out.
0: Awesome. Brilliant. a sign and a symbol of somebody some years ago decided no more I'm gonna build an altar I'm gonna start to believe the call of God over my life. The lies that I've believed, I'm going to begin to put them aside and replace them with the truth that I'm a mighty warrior, that I have much for God to do. Well, I've, I've got much for, to do for Him. Flicking back to the, the Gideon story, about to wrap it up. Gideon's naturally still a little bit afraid. Just the 1%, 300 against swarms of these Midianites. And so God says to him, if you're still scared, you can go down to the valley and listen to what is happening at the camp of the Midianites. And so that's where we pick it up in verse 13. It says Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. This is the the, the enemy in the camp now that they're listening. I had a dream, he was saying, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, Well, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. This is the enemy speaking, eh? When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, look at what he does. He bows down and he worships God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out to the men. Can I do it? I'm going to call out. Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. This is a man, not so long ago, hiding away in caves and in wine presses, believing the absolute worst of himself, to being convicted by the word of of God over his life, to call his men, his 301% group of men, to go and fight against the enemy, to go and make an impact into the world around us. The rest of the story, as most of you will know, is that he goes back to the 300 men. They divide up into three groups and they defeat the Midianites. As the Midianites, through the power of God, turn on one another and kill each other with the Israelites hardly doing a thing. God taking care of the 99%. You see, the the, the summary of this story of Gideon, as we weigh up impact, going to the nations, what does that look like? That disconnect between the call of God over our lives and our hearts. You see, we see Gideon, much like me, much like many of us here, I believe, afraid, hiding, and feeling kind of weak. But he began to believe the truth of what God was saying over him. Began to put the lies that the enemy had spoken for far too long over him aside. God began to speak truth over him again and again, patiently working with Gideon. Saying, I will use you to do the impossible. God grabs a hold of his heart as I trust he's grabbing a hold of our hearts tonight, building altars, saying, Lord, we will not go back beyond this point ever again. Gideon begins to believe and surrenders to God's ways, and then God begins to move and act. I don't know if I can ask the band if they wouldn't mind coming forward or coming up. We are called to make an impact. Throughout scripture, Jesus calls a people to himself to go be witnesses to the darkness, to be a witness to the world around us, to share the love of Christ, to share the good news of what Jesus has done, that we can be reunited and restored to the Father. We are called to make an impact, to do what Jesus is doing, to live to see the nations discipled, to live to see others meet the love of Christ. Can I ask us to get up? As Gideon spoke to his men and women and children, old and young, the Lord is speaking to us, I really believe, tonight, to get up. It's not okay to just keep sitting in the wine press, believing and wallowing upon the lies that maybe have been spoken over us. It's not okay because God has more for you. And I want to exhort you tonight as we just go into a time of worship, as we ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us up, to come and baptize us. I pray that you would begin to believe the truth that God is calling you, that He sees you as a mighty warrior, that He wants to use you to do incredible, incredible exploits, to glorify His name. That is not just simply leaving you and sending you out on your own, but that He is going with you. He is with you at every turn. My final scripture that I want to read is Acts 4, And it's the gathering in the New Testament. And there's a moment in the New Testament where the disciples were all together and it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, just as Gideon was, and spoke the word of God boldly. I'd love to just pray for us as we go into a song and see what God wants to do. But can we raise our hands? Can we close our eyes, can we set our gaze upon Jesus? I really just want to pray that Holy Spirit would come right now and fill us up with boldness. Father, I pray we would build altars tonight saying we will not go back. Lies saying that you are not worthy, that you're never going to amount to much, that you're never going to be significant, that you're never going to be successful. Maybe you've had words saying that you're never gonna be a leader, that you're just gonna be a follower, that you're no good, that you're worthless. God speaks his love into your heart tonight. He says, my son, my daughter, I love you. You are significant. You can trust me. There is destiny over your life. I'm wanting you to come to me and come and work with what I am doing, come and do what I am doing. Holy Spirit, I pray you would fill us up right now. There are men and women's lives waiting for us to share the good news. On the other side of our obedience, there are people waiting to hear the gospel. And Father, we want to be faithful to the call that you have spoken out over our lives. We want to be obedient to what you have said to us, O Lord, that we might bring you glory, Jesus, not for ourselves because you are going to do the work. As our 1% comes in behind your 99%, Father, would you do it? Jesus' name.